Father, we just thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness, Lord. You're the, you're the faithful one, Lord. Your love is the anchor, oh God. Lord, you've predestinated us. You've called us. You've drawn us to the place that we're in, Lord. Lord, we look to you to bring us all the way through, and we trust in that. And Lord, we rely on that rock, oh God. Lord, I just want to come now and just thank you for the songs that were sung, the worship that was sung, even the greetings from the Philippines. Lord, we know there's many precious saints around the world, Lord. Seeing a video of, like, of, of that takes me back to Guatemala or, and seeing the believers. Lord, we just thank you for the believers that would be around the world, oh God. Lord, we love them and Lord, we want to, we look forward to the day that we would see them and meet them again, Lord. Lord, we just want to come now. I pray you take this little thought you've given me, Lord. I pray, Lord, where we've gotten it wrong in the last day or week or month, Lord, forgive us, help us. Bring us under the blood another time, Lord, I pray. Lord, draw us closer to you. I pray that you just take the thoughts, that you'd anoint them, Lord, that you'd get me out of the way. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the music and the singing. God bless you, Brother Moses, for the special. If we could... Turn in our Bibles to the book, and I'm going to just find it here, in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 and then John chapter 1. How many is happy to be in church tonight? Yeah. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtain mercy. John chapter 1, verses 10. Book of John, St. John chapter 1, verses 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. And I'll just maybe read a quick verse, you don't have to turn to it, but just in Luke chapter 8, there's a, there, verses 41 there's a, behold, a man came, a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down, and we know the story of Jairus, and I'll drop down. And a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. Hallelujah. And immediately, her issue of blood stinged. And Jesus said, who touched me? God bless you. You can have your seats. And I'm just going to trust the Lord tonight. My, my nerves are, well, I feel a little better now actually standing here, which is good. But God, we look to God. He's the faithful one. He's the true one. My title tonight is Accepting Who You Are. Accepting Who You Are. And we can often recognize who we are or hear who we are and even try to believe who we are, what the Word says about us. But have we really accepted who we are? to the place that we actually step out into it. 
to the place that we're actually confidently living it because the word says it about us. I, I want to I look at that tonight by God's grace, but maybe we'll bounce around a little bit at the start. It might not seem maybe, but we'll trust the Lord. Brother Branham says in Hebrews chapter 4, the, the Hebrew series, he says, you mustn't question anything to God. For the footsteps of the righteous is ordered of the Lord. I'm going to read that again. You mustn't question anything to God. Why, God? Why? We know that even Jesus on the cross would say, why hast thou forsaken me? But he wasn't questioning God in a level of doubt. He wasn't questioning God in a level of wrong, but, but he, he asked a question. But to ask God with doubt, why is this happening? We ought not to do that. For the footsteps of the righteous is ordered of the Lord. And every trial is put upon you to prove you. And the Bible said they're more precious to you than gold. So if God let a few light afflictions happen to you, remember it's for the correction of you. Every son, this isn't the same for those out in the world, but every son that cometh to God first must be chastened of God, tried, child trained. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're chosen of God. You're predestinated. There's no exceptions. Every son that cometh and these afflictions are done are brought to see what attitude you'll take. How are you going to respond? Are you going to accept and say, I know I'm a son of God. I know that God's called me. I know I'm predestinated no matter what's going on. So I'm going to respond as such. Or, or, or am I going to back up when the, when the battle comes strong at me? Am I going to back up and say, I, I don't know anymore. My faith is shaking. Every son that cometh. And these afflictions are done, are brought about to see what attitude you'll take. See, it's God on this proving ground. And then he says this, and it's amazing. That's all earth is, is the proving grounds. This whole adventure of life that we're on, that's all it is, is a proving ground. And he's trying to prove you. But you're the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. And that's who we have to realize, recognize, accept, and believe. Brother Brandon would say, and I'll, I'll read this quote, and, and I guess the, the message will kind of, tonight will kind of focus in on this that we know so well. But remember this, Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. The book of Revelation shows how the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. The book of Revelations, it exposes Satan, revealing his works, attempted destruction of God's people, and discrediting of God's word. Trying to discredit, trying to take away from it, trying to cast doubt or a little bit of mud on it. Right down to the time he is cast into the lake of fire, Satan, he fights that. He cannot stand that. And here's the crux. He knows that if the people can get a true revelation of the true church and what she is, and what she stands for, and that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. If, she can, if they can get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the church, and by God's spirit discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless before her. He will be as definitely thwarted today as when Christ withstood his every effort to gain power over him in the garden. Yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it. With true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. How many believes that? Amen. Brother Branham would begin to preach in the message, I believe it's called Hearing, Recognizing, Acting on the Word of God. And he would, he would take a look at the story of Jacob and Esau, and, and one have I loved and one have I hated, and begin to look at the twins that would be in the womb of the elected Isaac and Rebekah. They were elected Holy Ghost filled, if you want to call it that way, though the Holy Ghost wasn't there at the time, but Christians that had now a type, and the Old Testament was the type of what would we would see now, twins. And one was evil and one was good. And it's a type of the flesh that we fight with today, the soul inside of us born again, and the flesh we still contend. And it's even a type of the church, how there can be two spirits within the framework of the church. One that would pull, and it would look good, but one that would pull to Satan, and one that would look up to God. These two boys, if we'll notice their nature, 
One of them was a spiritual man. And right now I want to look, Brother Branham would say, if they could recognize the two spirits in the framework. So we'll look at these two spirits for a little bit. One of them was a spiritual man, that was Jacob. And the carnal man was Esau, but they were both religious. And that same thing has took place all through the age, the carnal and the spiritual. Esau represented the man of the earth, natural, religious, inclined, but never able. It wasn't in him to do it. What? To, to go for the birthright, to maintain the birthright, to love the birthright. He couldn't do it. He, it was never in him to climb up past the things of the world, the carnal things. But Jacob, it was just so easy for him to do it. Jacob, one purpose Jacob had, and that was that he longed for that birthright. That was Jacob's desire. The desire that he had within him. No matter what I do, no matter what I have to go through, I must get to Jesus. He didn't know maybe Jesus by name, but I must get that birthright. No matter how he got it, just so he got it. And he used some pretty shady tactics, but he got it. He had such a desire, no matter what it would be. Not that we advocate shady tactics. That spirit of that one birth is still represented in the, in the world today, and it's coming to a head now. The spiritual believer and the carnal man, carnal believer. No one could say they wasn't both religious. They were. They didn't say that one served an idol and the other one God. They were both servants of God. They weren't Amalekites. They were both servants of God. Now, pay close attention to the scriptures on this subject, because I'm sure it'll help you. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, will enter in, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. If you'll notice, Jacob had one thing that he wanted, according to the word, the blessings, the good thing that laid in the birthright. And Jacob, that was his only objective. Get that birthright. His only objective is the birthright. He wants to get to God. Why? It's born in him. He can't help it. When you're predestinated, you can't help it. You can't help what's in you. You can't help that you felt strange all your life and all of the other things that you were in and there was something drawing you all the way to the word of the hour. You can't help it. It's who you are. The carnal believer today, oh, as long as I go to church, and and be careful, this is the deception. As long as I go to church and do what's right, what difference does it make? Adam, or uh, Brother Adam would talk about Cain coming up to, to make his sacrifice. Both religious men, both making sacrifices. Cain worked harder at it, maybe even, making it beautifuler. But he came with the attitude of, this is the best I've got, take it or leave it. But, Adam, or, but Abel came with such a sincerity, killing the bleeding lamb. If we come to church with the, this is the best I've got, take it or leave it, oh God, help us. But if we come with sincerity giving everything that we have, like the woman washing the feet of Jesus or, or, or the woman with the blood issue going to touch Jesus. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. Many other people had touched Jesus, but she really touched Jesus. The spiritual man today and the spiritual woman that's elected, predestinated of God to, to come to eternal life, if they have to sell everything they've got, if they've got to take their name off of every church book in the nation, They still want that birthright. It's the only thing that matters to them. Just get the birthright. No matter how, what level they have to come on, if they have to get at the altar and cry, boo-hoo, if they have to go to the places and go back, make things right and sell what they got or give everything away and become a pilgrim and a stranger, it doesn't matter. The whole earth, remember this whole earth with all the beautiful things we see is only a proving ground. Are we going to accept God's word or not? All of the materialistic things that we get so caught up in don't have a whole lot of meaning when it comes to eternal life. When it comes to crossing over to the other side, your job didn't matter. What mattered is what you did with this precious one called Jesus Christ. They want the birthright. That's all they're interested in, the birthright. Now, don't blame them, people. They can't help it. They were predestinated to that elected to it. And we see these two people. Brother Brandon would preach about, uh, would, maybe I'll go right to it. I, I thought I wasn't going to read it, but I'm going I'm to keep going down this line. 
Brother Brandon would talk about how in, 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 in Adam and Eve's time, Eve had been presented with, she was supposed to be fruitful and multiply. But Brother Brandon would say in spoken word as the original seed, she couldn't wait. And she took a substitute. She couldn't wait all the way to the place that God would fulfill his word. And, and this is the place we stand as Christians, even today, even in the message, as we come to the place of receiving the new birth. If we're there, we're there. We keep pressing on. But if we haven't got there yet, we don't want to accept a substitute. We can't stop part of the way. We cannot stop part of the way. That's what Eve did. She couldn't wait, and she took a substitute. She took something else and said, okay, I'm good. And, and she wasn't good. But what this bride will do will go all the way. I'm just trying to find a part of a quote. I'm sorry. Brother Brandon would say, let me give you an illustration. And this is a striking illustration, and there's a balance to it. I don't want to put everyone out. I want to, I, I, but it, this is important. Let me give you an illustration. Here it is. Here's a man. He's a good fellow, nice boy. He's called. He feels in his heart he wants to be a minister. All right. He accepts Jesus as his personal savior. He's a nice boy. Nobody can say anything against him. After a while, after a while, the subject of sanctification, but this boy has a problem. It says, the man lusts when he looks at women. See, it's in him. And the next thing, maybe he, he, he smoked and he, and he wants to smoke. Maybe he wants to gamble. Maybe he wants to do some bad thing. He knows he oughtn't to do that. So he says, oh God, apply the blood of Jesus to me and sanctify me. So he's been justified. He's been coming into a place. And he comes up to a place where he realizes there's wrong in his life still. And he says, oh God, sanctify me. That's a good thing. But that's not all the way. But it's a good thing. And Brother Brandon would say, and he gets sanctified. And he can shout, praise the Lord, do some things, go out and do the th do thing. Remember, Jesus type, that, that said that type would be there at that day. Many will come and say, Lord, have not I prophesied? I, and I even lived right, Lord. Preached, have not I cast out devils in your name? Jesus said, I don't know you, you worker of iniquity. Now watch, we're coming, making the hundred millionths of a hair right down to the sharp edge of the gospel, sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting to the asunder of bone and, 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 and a discerner, discerner of the, the soul and spirit. It knows where the Holy Ghost was just on the spirit or if it made it all the way to the soul. God, let it go through, a discerner of the thoughts and intents. That's the gospel, the power of God. And he would go down, and Brother Branham would tell a story as he's in the middle of talking about a, a, a theoretical young man. When I went to India, the, arch, the archbishop of the, the, the Methodist church come out and said, Brother Branham, we don't want to know anything about a missionary. We know more about the Bible than all you'll ever know. Said, well, we was a church and settled here 2,000 years ago before you were a nation. But said, we hear that God has visited you. And brought a gift that can make this Bible live. Amen. Said, that's what we're interested in. Right. Not just a good life. That's what we're interested in. Oh my, see that man was a son. Not a grandson, Brother Brandon would say. We want to know, is it true? Brother Brandon said, certainly it's true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now watch this young preacher. Brother Branham said right before that, find out then that Judas pretending to be a brother and a brother and headed up and finally came to a climax. Watch this young preacher. He says, he comes to a place, Lord, I've been looking upon women. I oughtn't to do that. You know, I've been doing the things. I shouldn't do that. I've been spending my money. He gives examples on horse races. but going every night to the picture shows. I shouldn't do that. I even enjoy vulgarity pictures. I shouldn't do that. I got pinups in my room. He's describing how this man has been saved, but he's not living right. But I shouldn't do that. The things of the world, he says, sanctify me, Lord. And the Lord says, all right, I'll do that. And he applies the blood of Jesus and sanctifies him. So now he's come up to a level, justification, sanctification, he's, but he's there. But no Holy Ghost yet. But he's there. He looks good. He acts good. He talks good. Probably preaches good. And the Lord said, I'll do that. And he applies the blood of Jesus. Then when he does that... One night, this young preacher, a hypothetical preacher, passes by and he hears something and he goes and over and listens. And it can be anyone, a preacher, any Christian. The point is, where do we stop? 
would we be deceived off the track to stop from going all the way? He hears something, he goes over and listens, and he hears of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the filling of the Spirit. Then he looks over into it and says, oh my, isn't that wonderful? But say, that would ruin my ministry if I would preach that. That would make my mommy run me away from home. They would turn me out of the church if I did that. I would look wild in school. I'll add my own. I would, I would, go, I, I would act crazy in my own church. Or I, I don't know what the Holy Ghost would do to me if I did that. And we back away. And we can back away right where the enemy would want us to be. Let me, oh, I better leave that, but let me look through it. Let, yes, and it, well, like a certain famous minister, Brother Brandon wouldn't say who it was, but worldwide known, was found recently by a man that was with me in Puerto Rico on his knees, speaking in tongues, this worldwide missionary. And one of the greatest evangelists in the world today, and this man, his brother being with me here, a spiritful man, run, spirit-filled man, run to him and said, oh, brother, you're a worldwide missionary. I'll add, oh, brother, that's it. You've got it. There's something that you've got. He says, I, I know it. I know it, but, but let me tell you something. And the man says, preach it with your influence. Preach it. This is the hour with your influence. You could shake the world. A worldwide man speaking in tongues, but it not being the popular thing, or it would take him off the track. He says, no, I can't preach it. The church would turn me down. I couldn't preach that. I couldn't do it. Oh, brother. Having been sanctified and has come to receive the knowledge of the truth, look at it, see it's right, and turn away. What it would be would be to crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame, ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother Branham would talk about these two spirits that would be so deceiving in the framework of the message. And what one would do is look good, and the other one would look good too. But only one would go all the way to a new birth, all the way to the Holy Ghost indwelling not just spirit but soul. But now if you say all of that, it can put questions in your mind and say, well, where am I at? Have I really received it? That's, that's not the point but we have to recognize the deception of where are we truly at as Christian. Brother Branham would preach in the message, or actually it's, it's called a, a private interview with Sister Bruce. How many's heard this before probably? Sister Bruce would say, and this is a recording of a private interview, Brother Branham, most of all, I want the experience that I've been sealed in the Holy Ghost and if God will reveal it to your heart. Brother Brandon would say, I believe with all my heart that you are a born-again believer, Sister Bruce. How could that spirit just leave? When you get sick, you get weary, and you're a nervous type of person, and you get things in your mind, see little bitty things. The devil likes to take little bitty things and make absolute mountains out of them. I know. I fight them too. Absolute mountains out of anxiety and this and that and... Little bitty things. It keeps building up both ways. And he says both ways, actually for good and actually for not so good. You'll get somebody on your heart. You'll want to pray for them. Get up and pray for it. You can't rest until you get that person prayed for. That's good. Go all the way to a victory. That's you. Then take the other side. Satan might present something to you out this way. Then God, your, your nature and God's works and Satan's works. Within your nature, within the confines of how you are, Satan knows how to, to, how to tip you off, and God also knows how to channel it through the gift that God's given you. And Satan works and then tries to make you believe that you're not. How many's ever been told you're not a Christian probably this week? That's just the devil. He's a liar. All he knows how to do is lie. So if he tells you you're not a Christian, he's lying to you. You're a Christian. You've accepted the word. As long as you believe and you hold on to that Christian confession, you're a Christian. You hold on to that. You never let it go. I'm fixing to pray for you. Brother Branham says, I'm not worthy of that. I think, what would I do if Jesus Christ was sitting here? What would he do if he was sitting here? He'd lay his hands upon you. And with his great faith, see, you'd get well. Well, I think, well, I'm a sinner. I'm not him. But I came to represent him. Brother Branham says, 
But remember me being a sinner, and before God, I'm not a sinner. Before God, I'm not a sinner, and neither are you. We've got a blood sacrifice. So many times we can even put ourselves in a spot where we feel like we're acting like an Esau. <laughs> we're acting like this. or we, we have this carnal nature. It's that the twins that we fight with. We fight with the Esau on the outside, but there's a desire on the inside. And let me tell you this, even if you could recognize in this moment, you know what, I still don't have that new birth. If you have a desire, if there's a predestinated seed within you, don't stop until you get it. God will bring you all the way to the place that he will bring you to. He has to. God don't even see us. He hears our voice, but he sees through the blood of Christ. That's it. He sees the blood of his own son. It's our voice, Christ's blood. Brother, Sister Bruce says, I make so many mistakes. I fail so many times. That's why Christ had to die, so that you with your mistakes wouldn't be lauded to you. He took your mistakes. Your desire in your heart is to serve him. Sister Bruce says, yes. All right. That's what he died for, so you could serve him. And I'll leave the quote. Brother Branham, I think, would say in one place, what, what were you and what are you? And what changed you? Now, that's a pretty good sign. There's something that happened. Now, Eve, when she came up to that spot and, and Satan began to work on her and work on her, and it probably took a lot of time, but he brought her to a spot that he had convinced her that he had something. And she couldn't wait for the true promise to be fulfilled of, of her being a mother through the spoken word. And, and she left it off. But, but Brother Branham would say, that this Eve, what that Eve turned down, what that Eve couldn't accept, what that Eve failed at, and what the Israel, the Israel as a nation, what they couldn't accept, their Messiah, his bride there at that time, this bride will not fall. And we've heard it, and we've heard it, but do we truly recognize what that means for us? If we're truly the bride, if we can, can we truly accept that? In a way that would give us a confidence on, thurs on Thursday morning, tomorrow. In a way that when the enemy comes with the worst mind battle you've had yet. And you just look at him and say, let's fight. And let's make it a good one. Why not? Why wouldn't we? We stand as the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. And if he wants to fight, we ought to learn how to fight slowly. We ought to learn how to take the punches off of us, but there's other moments where we ought to be able to stand in our position and say, I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to bring that which I've committed to him against that day. We are the true church of God. We're not beggars. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. The woman that went and touched him at the hem of his garment, she had such a sincerity and such a desire. She knew that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And he said, who touched me? And she got a touch from the master. But first, he, she had to touch him. She had to reach out and draw nigh to him and reach out in faith and realize, that's, that's, my, that's my help. And I realize, I can touch him. I can get a hold of him. I can, I can overcome through him. Abraham was called the friend of God. And we're, we're children of his royal seed. How do we recognize and walk in that to realize God wants to be friends with me. God wants to be friends with you. He made us for fellowship. God desires that, that we would wake up in the morning and, and, and roll out of bed and, and begin to talk to him. At the end of the day, we could share our day with him. Say, God... Did, and, and, you know, truly, sometimes, how did I do? Because sometimes we get it wrong, and we want to get it right. We, we, there was a, a wonderful message preached in Brother Donnie Reagan's church that has stuck with me with the title, Would Jesus Be Comfortable Living in Your Skin? In what you did today. Because he's in you, and he had to look through your eyes and talk through your mouth. Was he comfortable today? Or did we make him uncomfortable today? But let's make him comfortable to live. He has no home but our home, no flesh but our flesh, no hands but our hands. Let's make the Lord Jesus welcome and recognize that if we're called to be the bride, let's accept it. Let's, let's throw back our shoulders and realize this is us. We are him by his grace.
Brother Branham would say, before there was a world, before there was a planet, before there was a sun, before there was a moon, before there was light, before there was anything, it was still God in his thoughts. The eternal thoughts of God chose you. The eternal thoughts of God chose you by predestination, by foreknowledge, to know that you would be on the earth, to know there would be sin. Someone said, why, why is there ever sin? If there never had been sin, his attributes would never have been made to be a savior, would never have been a savior. There had to be a sinner so he could be a savior. There had to be a sick man so he could be a healer. It had to be. It was God who saw it and foreordained it. And he says, the devil ain't even in the race. Oh my, he's just a stump on the side of the road that God used to bring children to him. Crying, Abba, Father. No wonder on that day how the angels were sing. When we're singing the redemption stories, the angels will bow their heads. Don't know what we're talking about. We can sing, oh, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Oh, my amazing grace. I once was lost. They don't know how good we feel to know that we which were once sinners and alienated with God, without God, from God, without hope, without mercy, God in a world of corruption dying, going to a devil's hell, and God stooped down and picked us up and redeemed us, and now we're above angels. Which is it? An angel is a servant. We're sons and daughters. Or can we accept who we are? Can we truly believe that this is you and this is me? We're sons and daughters. Which is the most thought of? Your servant or your son or daughter? Oh my, prayer from a saint will go a million times higher than an angel. This is the prophet. Because he's a son. Oh, all right, that's, that's right, my brother, sister. I don't believe, he says, this side of eternity, how we'll ever realize that you are what position you are. That God has placed you, you spirit-filled people. Brother Brandon would say, if we could, we'll get to the other side of Eden, we'll get to the, to, the, to the new place, and we'll look back and realize, why did we worry so much? If I, if I could really have believed, you could say, I'll, maybe my own words, if I, could have, if, I could, if I knew now what I knew then, or however you want to put it, I would worry a whole lot less. This whole thing is predestination all the way through. You can't lose. You can't lose. His love did it. His love paid for my sins. Now, what kind of situation are we in? We, know, we, want, we want to know who we, what we are, who we are, what we stand for. We want to know the spirits in the church that would come against us within the framework of the church. But we're in the middle of Satan's eating. About the worst thing that we could ever be in the middle of. It is the worst thing. Satan's had 6,000 years of practice to understand humanity. He's seen your type before. He's seen your nature before. Time and time again. History repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun. Everyone is a little different. He's seen someone like you and he knew how to trip them up. And he knew how to trip them up. And he knew how to trip them up. But he can't seem to get you tripped up. Oh, he might get you to stumble a little bit. But there's something in you that keeps bouncing back. A righteous man, though he falls seven times, he gets up again. He has to get up again. Why? There's something in him. There's that heart of God, that heart that's quick to repent. Brother Brandon would say this, and it was such a striking quote. I think it was the other day I saw this, maybe Monday. We know today it as the law of contrast, hearing, recognizing, acting on the word of God, that where there is good, there is evil. Because we get walking along in Christianity, in our, in our Christian faith, we were walking with God and we see we're doing right. We see God has changed us. We see we're walking on. And it seems like the devil just gets closer and closer. The mind battles get stronger and stronger. The situation and the, the, the hell around us, you could say, gets worse and worse and worse. Brother Branham says this, we will never, no matter our environment may be, ever be able to shake ourselves from the presence of either, right or wrong. 
no matter what our environment is, we'll never be able to be in a place where we're in 100% just the presence of God. Because the enemy will all, and I believe in a good church service, the devil's kicked out. The devil is scattered. But he's always there right after to pack away, pack away, pack away. And he says that we will never, no matter our environment, may be ever be able to shake ourselves from the presence of evil. Where there, he says before, where there's right, there is wrong. Because Paul said, where there is good, when I would do good, then evil is present. And I, I would say as you get closer to God, the devil just seems to come. Brother Ed preached it. Just seems to get a little closer and a little closer, a little more coming at you with a stronger punch and sending something along your way. The sinner will never be able to shake away from the Christian and the Christian from the sinner. There will be a witness of right and a testimony of wrong always, and you make your choice. You have to take one side or the other. Peter would say, I think it is, think it not strange the fiery trials that come among us as some strange thing that happened to us. The trying of your faith, it's more precious than gold. I think it would be James that would talk about how precious it was when when a man would endure temptation. So what did that mean? You had to go through something you didn't enjoy. You had to go through temptation to be an overcomer. The mind battles you faced from Monday to Wednesday was so you could overcome. That was the purpose. So that we could overcome. If we had nothing, if we had a blissful week all week, it would be wonderful, but that'll be heaven. Until we get there, we're in a war. We're in a battle. And we have to to wear our war clothes and fight. I believe it would be in Hebrews, it would say that we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with just the feeling of our infirmities. Because truly, we're a a people that can be so weak in our own selves. So there's many times we can feel so beaten down and so infirm and so maybe unsure, which way do I go and how do I do this and that went wrong and this went wrong. And Jesus Christ knew what it was to feel infirm himself. So he can be touched. He's the right kind of a mediator because he knows what we're going through. He's the great Jehovah God. And he's also also the high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our affirmities. Matthew chapter 6 would say, take no thought of your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. He's the God that's in control of everything. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? Which of you, by taking thought, can really change your external circumstances right now? But by, but by the faith of God. But which of you can, can really change how, 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 how tall I am or how this or that? Or, you can't. Circumstances come. Troubles come. Troubles go. But when they come, do we look up and recognize God knew? He already knew what would happen today. He already knew. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no, therefore no more thought, no thought for the moral, for the moral shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Such a beautiful scripture. As we walk in our lives and we can see this situation or this, and we don't know how about that, and what do I do about this? If we truly put God first, if we, in our schoolwork, if we can truly put God first, if we're in school and we've got tests coming, if you truly put God first, I believe that then you study 
God takes it. Brother Brandon would even talk about how uh, it would be, it'd be bad if it just come to my mind. At this, uh, but you, it would, how it would be bad if little Johnny would go out and just cheat on his test. But it would be better if he would come and say, Mom and Dad, I have a test today. Would you pray with me? Cheating on a test is actually wrong. And sometimes it's something that we would let go. But if we can truly put God first in every little thing, in our work, in that project we have at work, I've seen it where I didn't know how this was going to work with a project. You commit it, with God, commit it to God. I didn't even do a whole lot, and it worked itself out. If we can let God fight our battles... If we can truly put God first in everything. Why? Because he's the head of the body. And he's coming to live in us. And we're his bride. And we're on this earth living through that, that there's a son of man ministry coming through us. We can think of all these big things. But it applies down to our daily lives. Where we can accept I'm the bride of Jesus Christ on a Thursday morning going to work. And I'm a testimony of Jesus Christ to the person I sit beside on the bus or the person that I, I, I load up a Zoom call with or in a Teams meeting or whatever. Jesus Christ. Little Messiahs. Jesus on earth again. Can we truly accept that? I think, it's a, I think it's hard to accept. It is hard to accept. It'll have to be a revelation. And it is a revelation. And it's a revelation that's there and it'll grow and grow and take over our whole life. Brother Branham would say that, or Jesus would say this, and it's, one of, it's, a, it's a scripture that's so often quoted by Brother Branham. John 14, 12. It might, it's not Luke 17, 30. We think of Malachi 4, 5. It's another one that was so often quoted by the prophet, and it's an important one. John 14, 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I'll focus for a moment on that word greater and what Brother Branham would say in the message. Brother Branham would say, before the seals, there was a growing revelation in this one. He would say, and this, is this the sign of the end, sir, 1962, as he's contemplating, what is this blast? What is this thing? What are these things coming? I don't quite know. And he would say, he says, there's a third Pull coming, I think in a vision or something, and it said, now there's a third pull coming. Don't try to explain it. You see, I approach this tonight. I don't know, but I feel duty-bound and dropping down. We believe in, the, in repentance, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Ghost. We have signs, wonders, miracles, speaking in tongues. Frankly, there's been more done right here than is written in the book of Acts, speaking to the Branham Tabernacle. He says, frankly, in terms of volume of miracles and signs and wonders and things, there's more than was all written in the book of Acts right in this little assembly. This little group, this little bitty ministry of ours hears. And he says, what about the world over? More than this wrote in the book of Acts, same kind, the raising of the dead. Remember, there was only about three raised of the dead by Jesus Christ. And we have on doctor's record five, he says. My, what a church. Works that I do, now he quotes John 14, 12. He says, works that I do, more than this shall you do. And he says, I know, I know the King James says greater, but you couldn't do nothing greater, he says. You couldn't do nothing greater, more of it. He was in one person then. He's in the whole church now. So he's in all of us. He, he, he's divided amongst us so he can do more works. More than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. But truthfully, if you only leave that quote there, you actually miss the other picture that would begin to come after the seals were open. He would say, before that, he would say how, and maybe different parts in other times, but later in the ministry, I'll say, maybe not specifically after the seals, but he would say, before that, it was more works, and it truly was more works. Jesus Christ's ministry divided through the body. Now he would say, no, in, in, in the message, Shalom, 1964. And there's a light of the hour today. That's Jesus Christ in the power of his resurrection, his word that's promised for this day. And you say, John, why are you saying all this? Remember, if we can get a view of the two spirits, if we can get a view of what we are and what we stand for and that we can do the greater works. Hallelujah. That's why I'm saying this. If we can get a view of that we can do the greater works, we'll be an invincible army. So what are the greater works? That's why I'm going here. 
He says, now this is the light of the hour today, that Jesus Christ, in the power of his resurrection, his word that's promised for this day, the works that I do shall you do also. Greater than this shall you do, for I go to the Father. Greater works, greater things than he did? Do you believe it? And now he doesn't say anything about more. He says, I believe it. It seems humble. It seems like it could go over the top of the people's head. But he says this, look, when he was here on earth, how could you do greater works? I've translated that many times more, he says. But the same thing, greater, he said in St. John 14, 12, greater works than this shall you do. Now, what does this mean? Did you notice it? When he went, Jesus Christ went to make water into wine. He took water first and already created substance, and he turned it into wine. When he fed the 5,000 people, he took a fish that once swam in the water, broke it, handed out, and multiplied creation. The fish that was already there. The bread that was already there. He took the bread that was once wheat, baked it into bread, broke it, and hung it out. A, a, a miracle, an amazing miracle. But it was from created substance that was already on earth, handed it to the people, and it returned back again. Multiplied creation. Hallelujah. But in the last days. You know where I'm going. But in the last days, where there is no sign of creation, he speaks it into, into creation anyhow. And, and his corporate body, corporal body isn't even on the earth. It's through you and through me. It's Jesus Christ again through his bride doing this. Let's recognize how amazing this is. He says, but in the last days where there is no sign of creation, he speaks it into creation anyhow. Shows to be the same God that was in the beginning when he would say, let there be. Let there be. When there was nothing and now there's something. All the way back to the very beginning, he can create squirrels. We know the story. He can create whatever he wants to because he is God. Greater things than this will you do. For I go to my Father. I'm going to the Father. I'll send the Comforter. And in these last days, there'll be a Son of Man ministry that will come forth. God in flesh again. So close. So together. Just reflecting Jesus Christ on the earth in a way that it had never been seen before. Greater things. For I go to my Father. The Word is infallible. And it has to be manifested. And has to be fulfilled. Greater than this shall you do. Not multiplying, but speaking into creation. Brother Branham would speak, Hattie Wright. What's your desire? What do you need? Whatsoever you say, it'll be done. And she said, for the salvation of my two boys. And there they were. He, he, God would ask, what do you need? I need squirrels. One, two, three. I, I, I think it was three. Out of nothing. What was that to show? That wasn't just to show that God could. But that was, the wave sheaf was there. The wave sheaf was there, knowing that there will be more wheat to follow. Let me say this, can we truly, at the wrong word, maybe, it should, maybe I should have titled this believing who you are, but accept, can we truly accept that? And say, that's me. That when, what Brother Branham would say, he would say, when the, we might not see the, the manifestation of the third pole in a great way until the squeeze comes. And I would, I'll, I'll hazard to say this, we're squeezing at least. There's at least some level of squeeze on right now. I don't know if you feel it. I feel it. But there'll come a day. Maybe it's, I don't know what that will be. I'm not going to go that far. But when we need something. We'll be able to have seen, I've seen God there. I've seen him part the sea in my life. I've seen him feed me time and time again with spiritual food. I've seen him come and I've seen him come and break forth the word. What is the attraction on the mountain? I begin to see this and I see this and I see this. And now I came to a spot of a need. And I know I've heard it all my life. I know that when I speak, if I can speak the will of God, if I can come and, and he, he might say it in your ear, he might say it in the moment in that situation, what's your need? What's your cry? 
When that comes, don't be scared of it. And Brother Brandon would say, when your loved one comes knocking on your door, let him in. When that comes, don't be scared of it. Speak the word. Moses came to the Red Sea and, and he cried out to God, what do I do? And, and, and God said, why are you crying to me? Speak and go forward. Speak and go forward. You are the bride of Jesus Christ. We're not some beaten down. We're, we're, we're Christ in the flesh. That, I'm, I don't want to, you, know, you can go too, but God is in us. God is in us. Notice at the word now when he promised, where, where are we at then? What day are we living in? What is the hour? The manifesting of the word of God. You've got the message on the seven church ages. Watch how exactly, and he goes on. And we see in the midst of all that, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ promised for this day, manifesting itself. We're living in a wonderful time. Shalom to you who have the word in your heart. I'll say, oh, Christian soldier, pick up your weapon. Let's fight the battle. We're not alone. For the angels are all around us. It says the angel of the Lord encamps about those that fear him. I believe we can go to our job, our places of worship, different things that we would do, and, and feel the angel of the Lord around us. Know that he's there. And truly, it isn't even based on our feelings. It's based on faith. What is faith? It's seeing through God's eyes. It's being able to look at your situation through the eyes of God at your situation. The God of miracles. The God that delivers. It's looking at yourself through God's eyes. Where he says that you're the pure, virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ and you never did it in the first place. It says that you're predestinated that what Eve could not accept, you do. The eyes of God would say like, like Jacob, he couldn't do anything else. He was predestinated. He couldn't do anything else. Think of that Shunammite woman. She had done all the things. Her son was dead. She had served God's prophet well. and all, it, it was a high. She had her child and it was a low and she lost her child. But when she came to the prophet, is all well with thee? Is all well with the child? Is all well with thy husband? She said, all is well. Why? Because she had found the solution, the source. No matter what would go on in our lives. Musicians can come. No matter what would be in our lives. No matter what would be all around us. All is well. There's a message, Shalom. All is well. Can we believe truly who we are? I, I, I don't know if I've expressed it. Maybe like there's more I could say. But I, I think of Jesus on the cross. If we're coming up, I'll say, as the climax of the bride, building up the stature of a perfect man, we're coming up to the end of the end of the end of the end. But it's really only the beginning because after the rapture, life just goes on. It's just a new beginning. But if we're building up to that spot, I look at Jesus where he built up to his climax on the cross. And what was he doing? He was there hanging on the cross, howling devils all around him forsaken by God. He was truly forsaken. The word says, I'll never leave you or nor forsake you. But Jesus Christ was actually forsaken so that we wouldn't have to be. So that, what, a, what an amazing thought. But there he is, surrounded by mind battles, surrounded by howling devils all around him. The, the, the bee of death buzzing around him. And he knew his life would have to go at some point. He would have to give his life. People in the, in the natural cursing him on the ground, right. naked on the cross. In the spiritual realm, I'm sure the, the mind battles and the doubts and the different things. But he accepted who he was. Perfect faith is the master of all circumstances. Yeah. He accepted who he was. Amen. He knew he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And I have to go through this, and I can overcome it. I see, I see the bride that will come all through seven church ages. I see them. I have to keep going forward. We can hit that same spot. The devil's all around us, the people there, this happening, that happening. But can we accept that we're the bride? And that there's a measure of suffering left to us. 
and that we can make it all the way through. I, I, think of, I think of Samson, if you can play something softly, I think of Samson. So defeated, maybe, so down feeling, surrounded by Philistines, surrounded by that fish god Dagon, beaten down, but there was something inside of him that said, I'll rise again. He said, take me to the pillar. And what was it? He knew as he'd been grinding time after time around the mill, he knew that there was these locks that had been growing out. That Nazarite vow, that strength, that revelation, that life had been growing out again behind him. And maybe the other people, maybe he'd try to hide it a little bit just so that they wouldn't see and cut it all off again. But there was something, and as he would stand there holding on to the pillars, he was born a judge to deliver Israel from the Philistines. He was born a judge. He was born to overcome. And there he was defeated. There he was down, but he could feel his strength growing out again another time. Surrounded by the enemy, surrounded by the mind battle, surrounded by the condemnation, surrounded by the defeat. But what did he do? He accepted who he was. All the way back from the beginning, I'm a judge. God called me. There's a Nazarite vow that's coming back again. I can feel the winds of the anointing, that strength that used to charge my body before. I can feel it charging me again. I can feel it coming again. And I accept who I am. I know I'm the bride. He would say, I know I'm Samson. He began to pull. He began to pull. And he killed more Philistines than he had ever killed. The enemy was defeated. His purpose was fulfilled. And as the bride, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go step by step. The battle's only going to get harder. And we're only going to get stronger. The presence of God will only get stronger. The standard is raised. The battle will be won. The battle will be won. What do you play? What do you play? Oh, all, all is well. Let's all stand.
Christ in me. 